next week. I don't know what the future holds. Coming up next, Gray Matters. Well, good evening, and it's about 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. Jim will be joining us shortly, I believe. And uh, just to remind you, you are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Well, I spent part of the afternoon, I'll get this out of the way, uh, over at the Alan Rudolph Symposium at the Grad Library. They have a display uh in the sort of museum area there. And they had a variety of talks, and I saw the movie last night. Uh, uh, several Alan Rudolph movies are showing. I have to admit, I kind of wasn't all that well acquainted with him. And I think it's just because of my age. I was just too young to appreciate the sort of uh, romantic comedy, drama, thriller-type movies uh, that he made uh, with uh, very well-known actors and actresses, um, mainly as a labor of love. Uh, the movie that I saw last night uh, was called Ray Meets Helen, and by golly, Sandra Locke was there. And I would encourage you to go to some of these uh, Alan Ru- Rudolph movies that are showing this week. Uh, there are two tonight, in fact. Uh, both uh, at the Michigan Theater and the main auditorium, just to announce them. Remember My Name is a 1978 thriller uh, starring Anthony Perkins, among other people. And later in the evening, that's described, by the way, as a thriller drama, and uh, later in the evening at 9, there is a movie called Choose Me, uh, a comedy drama romance. And that's sort of... uh, style of movies that this gentleman makes. What's interesting about Alan Rudolph is he is donating his archives, his papers, to the University of Michigan. Uh, And that's fascinating to me uh, because he joins uh, two of the great directors of all time in Robert Altman and Orson Welles, whose papers are in the grad library here in the lovely city of Ann Arbor. Alan Rudolph apparently worked uh, off and on with Robert Altman, and it's interesting that Keith Carradine is uh, featured in a number of these movies, both as a young actor and uh, last night's movie uh, as an elderly actor, uh, a very intriguing, sort of underrated Hollywood guy. I don't know if you remember the movie Nashville, uh, it came out in the mid-70s. I saw it in high school and was uh, both impressed and somewhat confused by it. Had a kind of an all-star cast, but I think it's one of the great underrated movies in American history uh, just for its interesting story. There's an assassination of a political candidate. There's a kind of a Elvis, uh, evil Knievel kind of character in it. There's a lot of music, and of course, Keith Carradine is in this movie. So uh, maybe there was something about Keith Carradine. He's always had a kind of a uh, interesting personality as a romantic lead. And even when I was a kid watching Nashville, even though it had this sort of stellar all-star cast, uh, I got the I had the impression uh, that he was sort of the 
star of the movie. Cinetopia is going on all week, by the way, at uh, the Michigan Theater, the State Theater, and a variety of locations in Detroit, including the Arab American Museum uh, down on Dearborn, uh, in Dearborn, I should say, down on Michigan Ave, kind of close to the Southfield Freeway. Basically, if you get into downtown Dearborn and just go through the center of the town on Michigan Ave, you'll run right into it. And apparently there's an IMAX uh, movie theater down that way that's also showing some movies as well as the DIA and some other places in Detroit. So do check out some of these movies. I saw The Guilty, by the way, in uh, in at the Athens Film Festival, and this is a very interesting movie. It's called a thriller. I would call it a thriller. Uh, it's obviously uh, shot on a low budget because there's not much... Uh, much action. It's about a police dispatcher dealing with a uh, sort of a 911 call. And I think it's got particular relevance uh, today here in America with all of the uh, incidents involving police shootings and whatnot. So I recommend uh, that movie if you get a chance. And also, I just wanted to note another movie, a foreign documentary called A Notes Arc. Uh, I just wanted to listen to this or describe this. What happens when your nation is swallowed by the sea? With the harsh realities of climate change looming, the low-lying Pacific nation of Kiribati must find a new solution for the survival of its people. With sweeping cinematography, a note's arc interweaves two poignant stories. A note tong, enduring president of the island, races to find options advocating in international climate negotiations, and even investigating building underwater cities. So this is a very interesting movie, it sounds to me. It already showed once on Saturday, but it's showing again on Wednesday at the Michigan Theater at 4.30 in the screening room. Uh, Of course, climate change, we just had the one-year anniversary of that, June 1st, and I found it interesting that Trump was sort of able to generate a lot of um, publicity about the tariffs on that very day and the climate change uh, <clears throat> anniversary was not well uh, re- well reported on, in my opinion. Well, they're going to mention climate change as little as possible. I mean, even as, as he ostensibly is head of the Environmental Protection Agency, Scott Pruitt's agenda is clearly uh, concerned with peddling fuel uh, of various natures, uh, regardless of the environmental consequences of the burning of said fuels. Um, So, yeah, the less said about the environment, the better. It's just it's non-issue for the Trumpsters. And, of course, it was interesting over the weekend. There was one fascinating story with a uh, interesting picture of a coal fire powered plant in Michigan being demolished. Um, The Sierra Club has noted that 25 coal plants have shut down since Trump took office. Why is he having a war on coal? Exactly. (laughs) Uh, And of course, the disturbing thing about this is that the uh, Rick Perry, uh, the man with the glasses, he's actually the secretary of energy, believe it or not. What he knows about energy is uh, unclear, but he actually submitted a regulation last year 
that required uh, power plants to stockpile coal. They filed a complaint, and uh, Perry and Trump lost in the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission five to nothing, uh, claiming that this uh, sort of regulatory, and this is an example of Trump and regulations, uh, these these were unnecessary. And it's bizarre that uh, fossil fuel uh, electrical utility companies were battling the Trump administration over this issue of coal. It's very strange because there's an Ohio um, corporation called First Energy Solutions in the energy business that has three nuclear power plants and two coal plants. They have requested uh, that Mr. Perry... Save the coal and nuclear plants by invoking Section 202C of the Federal Energy Power Act, under which the Energy Department can order a certain amount of facilities to stay open during a crisis. And uh, what their crisis that they're citing is national security. Does it sound familiar? Well, of course, the tariffs uh, imposed on our allies uh, absurdly are being called... Uh, uh, national security justifications on these steel and aluminum tariffs. Uh, The European Union uh, is meeting later this week in Canada as part of the G7 summit. Uh, Mnuchin has gotten an earful uh, this past week uh, as the Treasury Secretary and other finance ministers have met. Where this uh, trade war goes is unclear. But when I read that China is opening up their markets, uh, some 400, 1,400 different products, uh, reducing tariffs on such uh, notable items as uh, laundry detergent, dishwasher uh, um, detergent uh, dispensaries, grilled seaweed. I was like, are there any companies in America that sell grilled seaweed? Apparently not. Most of these trade uh, openings were going to benefit uh, other Asian countries. So that trade war is going nowhere on behalf of Trump yet, and yet he continues to insist he's a deal maker. He's the negotiator. And uh, I think he had a strange week uh, once again. The familiar sort of weekly planner for Donald Trump, and I say this sarcastically, kind of goes like this. Go golfing on Saturday. Attack Hillary or Mueller on Sunday. Use the media on Sunday to foist Rudolph Giuliani out to spew more disinformation and distraction about the Russian investigation. By Monday, attack the Russian investigation yet again claiming no collusion, have a meaningless meeting with a foreign uh, uh, dignitary, a president or a prime minister of some sort, Uh, promise to renegotiate NAFTA by Wednesday, ignore American gun violence yet again while exploiting a violent incident abroad, attack immigrants, hopefully Mexicans, praise Kim Jong-un, Putin or Erdogan or Duterte of the Philippines, by Thursday, attack Mueller again, and then there's always the convenient Jeff Sessions. 
can always beat him about the head and shoulders. Well, and don't forget the daily uh, Fox and Friends viewing Stroke Fest. And, of course, uh, the occasional evening chat post-show with Hannity, the towering intellect of Fox. And notice the the, uh, the use, utilization of celebrities last week. We had this incident involving Roseanne Barr that uh, I think that her comments are indefensible. The fact that her show was taken off the air is, is not surprising. Those comments were racist. They were re- contained religious bigotry. Why she was tweeting about Valerie Jarrett as anybody's uh, guess, uh, trying to blame it on Ambien a couple of days later was more than a little strange. Well, their response was amusing. Yeah. <laughs> it's rare to praise a corporation for... Especially a pharmaceutical, but... Uh... No, uh, side effects may include the following bleeding, thoughts of suicide, depression, swollen ankles, but not racism. Not racism. Yeah. And of course, the utilization of Roseanne Barr to create it, that story, drag that out for another day. Trump, of course, didn't say anything the first day. He didn't know what to say. The second day, he decided that he would bring himself back into the focus of they're not treating me fair. I haven't had an apology. From... ABC hasn't apologized to me. And I'm like, for what? <laughs> what? What's ABC supposed to apologize to you for? Then you drag you. Oh, you have a meeting with Kim Kardashian. Bring well, her into the White House. Because, of course, she has a, a, a concern that she wants somebody pardoned for. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone, as we yeah. mentioned last week, have brought forward the uh, Jack Johnson pardon uh i don't know if we can expect the the lineup of celebrities with pardon requests to continue uh, to ted nugent or gary coleman or whoever has somebody who they want to get off the hook for something Wee herman maybe get in line <laughs> get in line well and kim kardashian of course is <clears throat> i guess married to kanye west who recently created his own celebrity controversy involving trump calling Trump a a dragon man like me, whatever the heck that means. Kardashian, of course, probably was one of those standby. Oh, give her a call and get her over here. I need to keep the media distracted for a couple more days because, of course, the big story of the week involving Trump and all of his political problems was the fact that Trey Gowdy saw the evidence. Said there's no evidence of spying. In fact, what he said was uh, the FBI did exactly what they're supposed to do in these circumstances. Investigate and report back. Right. That's that's all this is. And they were monitoring, needless to say, Carter Page. He'd been under surveillance uh, back. uh, Well, it's interesting that now, uh, given the revelation from even Drake Audi that, oh, there really isn't any there there. That uh, part of Trump's rotating whirlwind of new strategy effect is to begin to backpedal away from Paul Manafort and say, well, uh, this is one of his tweets. If the FBI were investigating that Manafort was a shady customer, how come they didn't tell me? So now that's a sort of a tacit admission that, okay, they got a lot of dirt on Manafort. Manafort's former son-in-law has flipped and is now cooperating. So if Trump's beginning to backpedal away from, well, yeah, maybe Manafort was bad. Why didn't they warn me? Sure. I mean, how effective that is as a strategy, who knows? But it's, you know, time to throw somebody under the bus and 
who knows if this kind of pressure will end up backing Manafort into cooperating. Well, and, and, and it was also bizarre to see Jeff Sessions back in the news. He gets beat about the head and shoulders about every other week. It seems to love it. It's it's kind of like... It's invigorating. Bring out... The, Thank you, sir. May I have another? That's right. Ivanka, bring me my dominatrix outfit. I need to beat Sessions up yet again. Uh, of course, the allegations that Trump is now spewing that... I should have fired Sessions because he didn't warn me that he was going to recuse himself. And apparently he had no understanding that you can't unrecuse yourself. Well, the thing That's is... That's a bizarre request to begin with. It completely misstates the chronology of why Sessions did recuse himself. He recused himself because he got caught lying to the House Judiciary Committee. In other words, I don't remember. I don't think anyone had any contacts with Russians, right. to my knowledge. Oh, uh, well, except for this one and this one and this one and this one. He was asked by two members of the Judiciary Committee, Pat Leahy and Al Franken, at, at different times about uh, his contact with the Russians. And he committed perjury. Now, because he is the gentleman from Alabama, a, a senator... They allowed him to, quote, amend his testimony, and then he recused himself. In other words, he recused himself way after uh, any of these issues about Russia uh, were, were even on the table for him. Uh, Trump was briefed repeatedly about Russian intervention and manipulation into the elections. Uh, we know that what this is really all about is, is WikiLeaks. And then, of course, by early March, if you go back, I actually have a, a file called the Sessions cover-up. Uh, Trump began assaulting Jeff Sessions on the 27th of July of last year. So he's been... Which is like less than a month into uh, Mueller's appointment. Exactly. And, of course, we know why Mueller was appointed. Trump even told uh, an NBC... Um, News host that he fired Sessions, uh, Comey, because of Russia. We know that why he really fired Comey was Comey testified before Congress a number of times about these meetings involving Trump and the obstruction of justice. And what do we have the last couple of days? Rudy Giuliani getting back into the act. He's always good for some laughs. And then, of course, uh, how interesting on Thursday night that Trump wanting to keep the culture war thing going, pardons Dinesh D'Souza, who probably had some minor campaign violations. He, that he pled guilty to. That he pled guilty to. And he didn't go to jail. He he got probation. This wasn't like uh, some serious criminal case. So what's the point of the pardon? Well, the pardon is to keep this culture war going involving Roseanne Barr. She's one of us, Trump said at a campaign rally recently. He called her up to praise her show. And these comparisons to Archie Bunker are ludicrous. Uh, look, All in the Family was one of the greatest television shows ever created. And it wasn't just about Archie Bunker. Archie Bunker was, a, was an archetype. It was about the relationship between Archie Bunker and his wife, Edith. Archie Bunker and his daughter, Gloria. Archie Bunker and Meathead. That was the culture war. But Meathead didn't necessarily, Rob Reiner, did not come across necessarily uh, as this, uh, you know, he, he was made fun of. 
you can't get a job. You're just a Marxist intellectual and long-haired hippie and all that stuff. So the, the, the brilliant writing of All in the Family encompassed many different aspects of what America was like during the Nixon years. And I would actually say that Roseanne's first show was in some ways very similar to that model, an attempt to depict a, a middle American family and the different kinds of pressures that societal things like culture wars uh, how they impact on relationships within families, within employment communities. Uh, so Roseanne's personal politics and the degree to which she's lost her way, I think, are what we see manifestly uh, exploding in tweet form. Yeah. Does anything good come from tweeting? That's a question I keep asking myself is I know responsible adult professionals tweet. Uh, but I'm not participating in it. No, you, no, you don't follow that sort of thing. So no. I, it just seems like what good comes from tweeting. But Roseanne's uh, because well, you cannot untweet. You can't untweet. Once, but also, once... and, and, and on a similar note, once you jump into the dumpster with the Trumpster, right? Even if you jump out of the dumpster, that stink is still on you now. Sure. So. And I find it, you know, bizarre. Here's an example of the tweeting uh, uh, response in action. This is just kind of an amusing uh, story from the 28th of uh, <clears throat> January. The headline is, Canadians hail ruling on trade as victory. This goes into the... Um, the details of a uh, U United States federal judge quashing a Trump administration's attempt to impose duties of nearly 300 percent on imported jets made by the storied Quebecois uh, aerospace company Bombardier. Uh, Canadians could be forgiven for reacting with a decidedly un-Canadian dose of triumphalism. This article is by Dan Belefsky, by the way. Uh, the minister involved had this tweet. Dear Boeing and Trump, protectionists hurting Canada, Canadian and American jobs. Take that. Marion Bialock, a Montrealer, wrote on Twitter. <laughs> you know, not only do you get in his face, but you... M mom, you mock his style. Right. And, of course, Trump's style on Twitter is well known. We have the famous uh, <clears throat> tweet in which Trump said, Terrible! Just found out that Obama had my wires tapped in Trump Towers just before the victory. Nothing found. This is McCarthyism. Here's another gem. How long is President Obama going to tap spelled with two P's, my phones during the very sacred election process. This is Nixon Watergate, bad or sick guy. And, of course, you know, we have the, today the news that Trump is, wants to dominate today's news cycle with this speculation about pardoning himself. Well, yeah, apparently uh, this is emerging because of a letter that his lawyers crafted and sent to Mueller back in January, I think. And one of them is, by the way, quit because he yeah. he, he wouldn't... Dowd. Yeah. Trump wouldn't listen to his advice. 
which was. But this letter is somewhat remarkable. Uh, so he is an, an amusing lawyer. Uh, an amusing on several levels, too. Yeah. It claims that the investigation itself is unconstitutional. Uh, it claims that the president enjoys such uh, absolute power that he can shut down any investigation that he deems shut downable. Uh, and he also boldly asserts that. I have the authority to pardon myself. Right. Not that I would do that because I've done nothing wrong, Precise. but I could. Right. Well, actually, probably no, you can't. I think it's right in the DOJ guidelines that the president may not pardon himself to avoid responsibility for his actions. So the, the, the final joke of the whole document appears to be a claim towards the end that uh, among the other reasons why this investigation is invalid is it's a burden on my time i'm busy yeah I'm and busy. i don't have time to deal with this i'm busy tweeting and watching fox and he's Friends. watching tv he's tweeting he's golfing he has i think like one activity scheduled a day this is the least busy president he's more busy goofing off than even george w bush who spent a lot of time clearing brush uh during his presidency, but at least that was an innocuous pastime. He wasn't fomenting lie after lie after lie through the the Twitterscape. Yeah, and Trump continues to lie, continues to mislead. Uh, he he didn't uh, acknowledge Trey Gowdy's uh, statements about no spy involved. That this is just the FBI doing their job, and we know. By the way, that these individuals under investigation and, and uh, surveillance were people that Trump hired. Um, and the reason they were under surveillance is because they had crossed lines and had communications with people uh, whose responsibility it is uh, to investigate for intelligence agencies. Oh, you're talking to Russians? Well, yeah, we do have to scrutinize that. So, yeah, we're paying attention. Yeah, and it's interesting, by the way, that the... You know, some of the details about this this linkage between the Trump campaign and uh, both WikiLeaks and Russians. Here's a excerpt from the uh, recent book by Luke Harding entitled Collusion. Source E admitted that the Russian regime was behind the release of the DNC emails published by WikiLeaks. Crucially, he alleged that the operation quote, had been conducted with full knowledge and support of Trump and senior advisors of the campaign team. In other words, Steele claims that Manafort knew. Manafort has repeatedly denied that he has done anything wrong. It's unclear to what extent, if any, Manafort was involved in supplying intelligence to Russia, another of the dossier's allegations. This is about the dossier that was that was published and, of course, with Trump having kind of a pardon of the week, I don't know how long that's going to continue. But we'll see if Martha Stewart gets hers this week. Yeah, it's uh, it's in the works, I'm sure. Uh, he's going to keep the celebrity uh, news going because that's what he's all about. He's about creating fake news. He's the fake news. He's the fake president. He's running a, a TV show. He's not the chief executive of a sovereign state. He's a guy who thinks he's running a TV show. I mean, yeah. clearly that's what we got here. And I, I wish Help! they would just put the guy on 
a reality TV yeah, show. Just give him his hour a day on Fox and, you know, call that good. Mr. President, this is your thing that you do now and you don't do anything else. He could be a regular like on The Simpsons with Mr. Burns and Homer. Or like the old Alley Cat show, get a couple of puppets from behind a fence, you know, bantering with him. That that could be good. Yeah. And, and of course, uh, what's interesting about this fake news, and I'll just quote from another book that I just started by Timothy Snyder, Concepts and Practices, this is called The Road to Unfreedom, Russia, Europe, and America. Tim, Timothy Snyder, by the way, is a very eminent uh, historian and expert on the uh, German-Russian uh, War. And this book is about Ukraine, Trump, and Russia. Uh, Putin is Donald Trump's little buddy. I found it interesting, by the way, that, you know, that's from Gilligan's Island. <laughs> this is this is the skipper calling. I've got my hat on. Do you have your shirt off? <laughs> Are you on horseback yet? Who knows? Um... But I found it interesting that a, a story emerged that Kim Jong-un met Putin mm -hmm. last week. Yeah. So in other words, he's visited Xi Jinping twice. Putin wants Trump zero. Now, speculating about what was discussed between Kim Jong-un and Putin is anybody's guess. But I found it interesting that by Friday, Trump was actually starting to downplay the summit. Like, he's finally realized, hey, wait a minute. Not much is really going to happen here. <laughs> These guys are actually tough negotiators. What do we have today? We have a report that Assad right. <laughs> is, is going to visit with Kim Jong-un. I, I mean, this is becoming more like a farce than anything we've ever seen. Uh, Kim Jong-un perhaps pitching for his own reality show. And, of course, once Stormy Daniels is not included in the delegation... <laughs> Kim Jong-un may realize, hey, wait a minute. If I go to Singapore, I might get overthrown. So I'm guarded about whether this quote-unquote summit is ever going to happen. Summits, by the way, are generally countries of relatively equal power kind of coming up, you know, the image of coming up from your side of the mountain, coming up to the top and having negotiations. I've got no uh, problems with negotiations, but... The real war is in Yemen. It's in Syria. It's it's in Niger and Nigeria and these in Somalia and and uh, places in the other places in the Middle East. It's not in Korea. There has been a ceasefire, a armistice that was signed in July of 1953. There's no real war going on. There's a lot of weirdness going on. There's a DMZ. Uh, and I think that the leader of South Korea wants genuinely to come up with some sort of a deal. But what does the deal look like? What Japan has got an interesting, uh, as yet uh, undiscovered role in this process. Who knows? Well, we'll see. Well, we're uh, just about out of time uh, this week on Gray Matters. I'd like to remind you that Yazoo City Calling will be coming up next on this splendiferously gorgeous Michigan evening here uh, tonight in Ann Arbor. Uh, news from the Supreme Court this afternoon that the uh, upholds the baker's right to not make cakes for those whom he 
finds religiously distasteful. Really, uh, the decision apparently is based more on the merits of how uh, Colorado judges mishandled their approach to the case rather than the actual, I think, ridiculosity of the argument that my 